You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. I am your host, Rob Gross. Tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, very excited to have the honorary guest of uh, the evening. What Again, I'm really bad at the timing of all this. Whenever you enjoy listening to this, Jacob Givens is on the podcast, and we are talking about what band today, my friend? We are talking about Sunny Day Real Estate. Which literally could not be more. I'm glad that we got that we like postponed and, and kept delaying. Agreed, right? Because, well, yeah, we'll get into it. But yeah, like yeah. we were just we were just gonna dork out about the band, and then mm-hmm. now we get to dork out about it, but like it's it's in it's in the spotlight. People are talking about right, it. Right, great, right, right. There's time. articles and things being said and rumors. Right? Yeah, it's it's not just us creating the rumors. Yeah, so it's great. So let me tell you a little bit about Jacob. Jacob is an actor, writer, and comedian known for his writing and starring in the comedy horror film i had a bloody good time at house house harker as well as the web series good cops and tumbleweed he has performed stand-up comedy in la for a decade and recently gained notoriety in social media for his comedic first-time reaction to 90s music jacob seriously dude thank you so much welcome to the grossed out podcast cheers. it is a pleasure rob cheers cheers mm. boom yes we're cheersing um mm-hmm. to my uh, bourbon of the month that my mom got for me oh what kind of bourbon is it I've never had it before and I forgot the name of it. I'll, t- I'll text it to you after. It's um, it's too expensive for me to pay for it. Sure, sure. Which is great. And it's very strong and really good. Um, well, what I'm taking away from this is I need to join a bourbon of the month club. That's that's what I'm taking away. Yeah. So what happened was that my mom, <laughs> my brother, and my wife got together, like, let's do this, right? Great yeah. gift. And then they're like, holy shit, we'll do three months. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which, is, yes. Which, which is honestly like what what a treat. Everything's been there's a there was a bell mead in there. I forgot the name of this one, and then I forgot the name of the one that's gone, but they've all been delicious. That's awesome. I was once a member of a vinyl of the month club and that was also yes. a little too pricey. So mm-hmm. it was like a, it was like a gift where I got the three months and I got to try it out, but I've always wanted to go back, but now I'm thinking bourbon of the month club, Ugh, man, I need to make the money to be able to do that all the time. Is that, that, that is that the goal? That's the goal, right? That's the goal. That's the dream, Rob. That's right. the dream. I love bourbon. I love whiskey. Mm-hmm, Big fan same. of those, uh, of those uh, libations. Yes. Same. And, and it's like, I, I always hated that. I was like, I don't ever want to be that guy that talks about like the, you know, Oh, look at this. No, I'm totally that guy. And and it's, and it's fine. It's, it's, it's totally fine. Yeah. I don't think we can help it. I think that when, when something is good and delicious, it's just by default, we fall into like, I want to know more about it. I think that's also why we're into bands. We're into music. It's like anything I do, I'm barely ever like just dangling one foot in the pool. I'm always like, let's, I want all in on this, you know? So totally. I, I always think of this moment when I was growing up, I think you'll appreciate this or not. I mean, it was just me being like the start of me being like the completest and whatever. And I remember I was yeah. buying all the CDs of the tapes that I had and replacing the ones. And for yeah. the tapes I had, like let's say in the Metallica catalog at that point. So we're up to like the black album. I had, right, every, right. I had everything, but ride the lightning. Cause guess what? You couldn't always find shit back then. You just got totally. what you got. Totally. And you know, they I remember being in the record store and I only had enough money to get one tape and I really yeah. wanted automatic for the people, but I also right. really wanted to complete the Metallica collection. Yes. At that point. Yes. So I bought ride the lightning. Um, 
babysat for a weekend and came back and then bought automatic. And then you got automatic for the people. Right. Right. But you had to complete the collection. You had to see it through. Right. Yeah. And that's something that stuck with me for better or worse. You know, as, as I age, it's like, I have every clutch record and then some, and yeah. like the rarities and the live and like, same thing for Pearl Jam and stuff. Soundgarden yeah. and faith. In the way. It's, yes. bad. it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I had the same problem uh, c- collecting media and I, you know, surprisingly enough, I'm surprised I ever did the the actual action of being like, okay, I'm going to downsize a lot of my CDs in the collection. But I did like once I became a dad and the house was getting full of all this stuff. I was like, okay, you know, things are streaming now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep the ones that like mean the world to me. And then like albums right. that I'm kind of like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. I can always stream when I want it. I got rid of, but it was a hard decision. It was oh. a really hard decision to do that. So tough. And I, you know, and it's like, I did the same thing with my CDs. We actually, cause we moved um, about six months ago. So we found yeah. the box of like the 200 CDs or whatever I have left, totally. which trust me is downsized is major downsizing. <laughs> totally. Totally. I think I had something like four or 5,000 at one point. I mean, of I don't course. know. I, I'm sure I'd be well off right now if I didn't. Right, <laughs> right. This. If we would have just kept this collection yeah. and then you could have like put them online and people would be like, oh, that's amazing. I got to have that. Right. Like, how did you get that? Well, I, I, I'm I, old and that's how, mm. I, <laughs> that's how I have most totally. of these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, like first, before we get into it, I, you know, I think it's, it's interesting to talk about like we started how we started kind of connecting and yeah, I, it was the most, I hate this term, but it's so organic. Like I saw you posting these really cool videos on Instagram that were like, these were like honest reactions that we would see. I'm sure growing up, I'm sure we're about the same. Yes. Age. And yes. we see these things. It's like, where you'd like you blow your friend's mind with a song or like, absolutely. Like the one that I go back to a lot is this love one for Pantera because that was, that reminds me of this. It was this quote in the nativity in black um, compilation that came out in tribute to Sabbath in the early nineties and Whitfield crane from a leaky Joe. Yeah. Everyone that did a cover got to write their little piece about like why they covered and they covered like nativity in black. And I think, think, and yeah, it was that. And it was, he was like, Sabbath is the first band that I could show my parents and show them like an interlude or like something Iomi had done as like, you know, like, like a, like an intro piece and be like, sure. Oh, I like this. And he was like, cool, totally. because this is what I like. And then put on nativity in black. And it's like, that's basically what you were doing in a, in a way yeah. it's that. And yeah, it's just like, I mean, and then I had no idea that you'd like exploded on TikTok. Like, so when yeah. I went over there to see him like, Oh, he's probably on TikTok. And then I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> it's all new to me too, man. It's it's this whole thing has been crazy. Like 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 you saw from my bio. I mean, we've obviously worked in you've worked in music and I've worked I've been in LA and I've been pursuing this whole Hollywood actor writer thing and all of it's all been kind of like things have kind of half gone. You know, we got a, this this little thing here that, you know, made projects very proud of them. But, you know, when when Vine was going, I was making videos on Vine. I was mm-hmm. like doing all this stuff, but nothing ever really landed. And and TikTok was this thing that I was like, I'm I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm, I'm too old for this. I'm too old. Like most yeah. people who follow me on Instagram and Twitter will, will say, I'm not making a TikTok. Mm-hmm. And so I'll bring the videos over. But I was during the pandemic, I was bored. I was like, what the hell? I'll try it. And for several months that I was making TikToks, I was doing the same sketchy, trying to be funny stuff that I normally have done. Mm-hmm. And then when I did the music reaction, it was honestly, it came from the most, like, I wasn't even really thinking it through. I wasn't like, and then this is going to be the new music TikTok series. Sure. I literally 
did the first one out of a very honest place and didn't think two thoughts about it. And then when that thing blew up, I was like, oh, and then I just tried it again. And I realized that my love of music, as, as, as it's probably been for you as well, it's so much deeper than than a lot of people. And so when you get into it, they're kind of like, wow, I didn't know you knew so much. And you kind of go, oh, I right. thought everybody felt this way about every artist. You know, I thought right. that everybody's life revolved around bands like mine did, you know? No, it's not until you talk to people that theirs don't. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that's what you do for a living. And I'm like, you don't understand. It's a detriment that I do this for a living. Right. <laughs> like it, it, I, I've been very fortunate in a lot of ways that the two yeah. artists that I have really like butted heads with over the years. And that's like, we're looking at almost a 30 year career doing this in a way. Yeah. Since I started yeah. In bands or whatever. Yeah. I hate both of those bands. So it's fine, but I've never like, and it's going to happen. Right. Inevitably. Yeah. Like I did work a project about a year and a half ago where I, I still haven't been able to go back to it. And it's not really? because of the band. It's because of the management. Yeah. And that sucks. But yeah. ultimately, like all in all, like I, I've, I feel like in a way that I've either like hung out or met like through like friends or through being at a show and waiting after the show till 4 a.m. or through work or whatever, I've met them all in some way and no one's ever been a dick. That's and it's great. like, and that's that. And I think that has rejuvenated me into all this because it's like, I could have just been a banker and gone yeah. and had the same exact experience. They don't care yeah. that I work in the music business. I yeah, don't care sure. that I work in the music business. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what, that's what I'm finding too, is that for the first time, you know, as I wasn't pursuing anything in music at all, but now I'm getting a chance to connect with these artists and musicians. And the only thing that they notice about me, not anything else, but they go, Oh, this dude, this dude loves bands and he loves songs and he does what we do, which is we we point out the specific moment in a song or we check out this one little hook right here. And I think that that's just what brings everybody together at the end of the day. It's like you take the commerce, you take the, uh, you know, the industry out of everything and you go mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we just love bands. We love music. We love it. Right. That's all right. there is to it. Right. What's before we dive into this real quick and shift gears, yeah. I thought you'd appreciate this is that we so I started working this um working with rhino records on a bunch of things now which is like nice the dream i didn't think that i, I you know it's like oh right oh my god right i'm putting a plan together and they're like yeah. i'm getting an email back from like wendy dio like crazy yeah. shit like that right? oh my gosh which that's is crazy and, and she's so sweet and that's that's awesome but i remember like for this i started to put together a plan for pantera and so by the time this airs maybe it's i don't know but i basically was like hey like there's this dude that did this video for this love. And like, I'm not saying like, I don't want to ever tell like somebody that's a creative, like, Hey, you've done this now do that five more times. But I'm like, yeah, Hey, yeah. check this out. Like there is like, yeah. it was almost like a catalyst to like get the band on the platform, whether yeah. it's through like archival footage or their old, like vulgar videos or things that, like, totally. were basically built for social media in 1992. And yes. without going to, you know, too too into it, like, you know, my, my coworker was like, I fucking love this guy. Like I follow him and I'm, I'm obsessed. Um, <laughs> like the person I'm reporting to there is like, Oh my God, I love this. This is so great. Her, their Pantera's manager was like, that was really cool. So it's like, you're striking a chord in a way that yes. like, I've, been, I've just been looking forward to telling you that face to face. Uh, makes, it makes my day, man. This is, I'm, I'm actually living my life in a way, uh, you know, I'm 43 and for the first time in a long time, it feels like the, one of the most, 
honest uh, pursuits that I've had in a long time. I don't know That's where awesome. this is going to go, but you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I spent 20 years like doing so many other things. And now I'm like, why haven't I been doing something revolving around my love and passion of music my whole life? But I, I mean, sometimes I think sometimes you have to kind of go through all these different chapters to, to grow and establish yourself in other for ways, sure. I guess. But, but that's awesome, man. Thank you for that. Yeah, that, man. that makes me smile in a big way. Well, it's nice when it comes back to the thing that you're just going to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right? It makes it super easy. Oh, well, all super right, easy. man. Let's, so, let's so do it. To, let's do it. So what I love about this, I think more than anything is that I have been a fan on the periphery of Sunday. Yeah. And yeah. I think that whether that's because I grew up on nineties hardcore, and then I went straight for like the big four or whatever of grunge and then started going down that road. So yeah. like where a lot of people went towards sunny day and, and kind of like out maybe like slint and like went like far left. I went right. to like the screaming trees and, right. and lemon heads. And I went when I went like the second tier, when I went to, or totally. however you want to put it, even though screaming trees are first tier, you know what I mean? Totally. So, totally. I gotcha. So when you brought this up, I'm like, this is awesome because the conversations I really love, like it can go either way. We can dork out on a band together and like know all the rare B-sides. And I love that too. Yeah. But I really want to hear from you. Like, how did you come to find this band? Especially now that I know how old you are. We're the, I'm, I'm going to be 42 next month. So, yeah, same so we're almost exactly the same age. Yeah. So like, where did you grow up? How did you discover the band? How did this all come to be? Like, like how did you find your path with this band? Sure. And I, I, I love this and I'm so excited about it as well. I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's where mm. I was born and raised, okay. which is not a place that I get back to often. I moved away a long, long time ago. And I, like you, actually, metal and the big four and things like that, that was a big part of my childhood as well. It's interesting because my my split into grunge and the alternative stuff in like middle school and start of high school, you know, I'm I'm kind of a lot of people who follow what I do know that the Smashing Pumpkins are literally like the one that's like the band that when I was listening to, you know, I went from hair metal to Pantera Testament, you know, mm. all that stuff. And then pumpkins were the ones that brought me more into the alt scene. And, you know, I got into Pixies. I got into all, all those bands and, and the single soundtrack really took oh, me into a lot of those directions, man. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Huge Same. influential uh, movie soundtrack. And it was around this time that I was always making sure that I caught shows like 120 minutes on MTV. Same. And this is where I would find most bands. You know, there was a, there was a radio station that was playing a show called the edge of insanity in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, it's not, not great. Um, there's not a lot of bands coming through town. It's a, it's a small town. Um, so you kind of really relied upon what you could see on MTV in the middle of the night, which I sure. wasn't allowed to watch because <laughs> my parents were strict and religious. Yep. And so it was like MTV was MTV was like the big, like, Oh, it's evil, you know? Sure. And so I would have to sneak and see it. And I remember the first time I saw sunny day real estate, I saw the video for seven off of diary, mm -hmm. which was this animated thing, you know, oh, moving yeah. around a screen. And I was like, I really loved the fast tempo changes that William Goldsmith was doing these, you know, yeah. and all my friends in my social circle, I would show them a band and, and I would show them something that I liked and they would go, of course you like that. It goes loud, quiet, loud. Loud, it's, quite loud. They're like, that's it's, it's the Pixies thing. It's the Pixies, yeah. And they were yeah. they were like, that's that's like the signature Jacob thing. It's like something that is soft, and then we break in and we go back soft again. Exactly. The pumpkins were doing it. You know, I was like, 
I really liked it. And then, yeah, there's that Pixies documentary called Loud, Quiet, Loud. Right. Um, but I, I loved it. And then it wasn't enough of a thing at the time for me to be like, a, I, I need to learn more about Sunny Day Real Estate. I kind of forgot about it after the video, thought it was a cool track. And then I think it was around the time that I picked up the Batman Forever soundtrack. They had a song on there, eight. And I was like, this is pretty cool. This, you know, these guys that I remember seeing one time on MTV are on this soundtrack. But it really, the turning point for me was right when I went to college, one of my best friends, and he's actually been on, on, on my show before, Jarrett Dapier, amazing drummer and all the bands that he seems to like have these amazing drummers you know what i mean like drummers tend sense. to tend to share bands they're like i love this drummer we i'm a drummer so we 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 do that we're like oh my god i love this band they're terrible but the drummer's so good totally yeah. totally so he would give me you know songs to check out and i it was so percussive and so mm-hmm. so much you know so i remember being in his um in his dorm room and we were listening to to bands and whatnot and i think he loaned me the pink album and so good yeah and i was like it was when i first checked it out it was so it was so different because it was a little and i mean this endearingly sloppy it was it was it was his wailing vocals were kind of um kind of like strained and and uh he was like all over the place and then they would do these crazy like breakdowns in the middle of songs and i was like what what is this band doing but when I would hear, hear the moments in songs like Jenna and I love the chorus of Red Elephant and it wouldn't be until years later that I found out that he's making up a lot of these lyrics uh, on the fly because it was an unfinished, oh. it was an unfinished album. The band had disbanded. I knew that, didn't know, it was, yeah. didn't know that's yeah. how it went down. So LP2 is like, he's basically like, I don't, got, I don't have enough time to sit here and figure out lyrics on stuff. Now, since that time, he has gone back and written lyrics for the songs, but, but he just kind of whipped them together. So it had this really raw, unfinished feel to it. And then that's when I was, I was in, I was in, I was like, I love this band. I, you know, I had the pink album. I went and made sure I had diary. And then, you know, right when how it feels to be something on came out, I got that immediately. And then I was lucky enough to see them on the rising tide tour before they disbanded. Then that was the only time I got to see them. They came to my college, uh, Champaign, Illinois, which I went to university of Illinois and they came through and I got to see this amazing performance of them on that tour. And I think they split shortly after my dad went to that college. You're kidding me. No. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 that's where that's where I graduated from. I graduated in uh, two thousand and two thousand and one. Wow. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's um that's random as hell. But yeah. I, I think what <laughs> a really a really quick sidebar takeaway from this is that yeah. you you touched on a point that's really interesting that I think is like a lost I don't want to call it art but like a lost discovery tool which is the soundtrack. And I think yes. that like back then, you know, you would spend the 20 bucks on a CD at Camelot or the wall or wherever you shopped or like Sam Goody, because you saw a video in 120 minutes or have bangers ball. And you're like, all right, fuck it. This is all I got. Right. And, and like, right. or like you buy a soundtrack and you're like, oh God, like there's some terrible bands on here, but then you'd find a few gems because I think we got spoiled, right? The single soundtrack is just, it's just otherworldly. And then you look at ones that I think are overlooked. Like, I mean, obviously judgment night, but like, the last action hero soundtrack totally at all it's got to be the totally. best soundtrack to the worst movie ratio absolutely ever. absolutely but like there's i discovered so many bands this way or at least like they would put b-sides rarities songs yeah. they wrote for the film it was such a yeah. cool way to get into a bunch of bands yeah 
Isn't on the last action that that's when I need to cover a TikTok on. Doesn't then have what the hell have I by Allison Chains on it? Isn't and that, and a and, little bitter. A little bitter. So it right. has like the two first songs that Mike Inez played with them on. Wow. And they're That's, probably the two heaviest songs they've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Those are such great songs. Um, I feel like the Beavis and Butthead mm-hmm. soundtrack movie had good songs on it too. What did the experience You're, one that had like, yeah. I hate myself and I want to die. I hate and, myself and I want to die. And it had, uh, and I know which movie was it? Bill and Ted's bogus journey had Megadeth's go to hell. Go to and hell. Which is like top one of my Megadeth absolute songs. favorite Megadeth songs of all time. And you could only get it at the time on that soundtrack. Right. right. And there was like, that's where Tommy, the cat was on that soundtrack. Tommy, the cat. And so you're, you've touched on exactly, which was a big part of the nineties in that era was film soundtracks were a way to get, you know, it was like your it was like your music festival CD because you get oh, you totally. get to see all these bands that you don't know about or, you know, a little bit of. And so it gives you a lot of exposure. And yeah, exactly. There was always the buyer's remorse of seeing a band that you saw one song, you buy the album and only one song in there is good. So right. soundtracks were such a good way of when they worked and they were good. Yeah. But they were good ways of showing you and cluing you in on these bands. And and that was a big part of like how the evolution of Sunny Day, you know, became a, a band that sure. I just loved. Well, yeah. I mean, and also look like they're they're signed to Sub Pop. And Sub Pop yeah. is one of those labels that when I work with labels now, it's like even to this day, it's like that's what you want to attain to, that label loyalty where people see the logo. And it's like whether you're into, you know, Soundgarden or Father John Misty or Shabazz Palaces or whatever, you're like, well, yeah. it's got the seal of approval on it. So totally that you and, see that sub pop. Yeah. 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 And also like, I still trip out on this, even though it's like ridiculous too, is that whenever you order something from sub pop, it comes from Mark arm. Yeah. Cause he runs yeah. the mail. He like, that's he's, crazy. He's isn't had it? the same job for like 30 years. Cause they let yeah. him tour and whatever. So it's like, yeah, it's great. But, um, but yeah, so like, so uh, th- that's, that's a really, that's an interesting way to like get into a band. Like I think a yeah. lot of the people that are like our age or like whatever, regardless of genre, it was, it was 120 minutes, alternative nation, headbangers ball. That's yes. been the gateway to all this. So I'm not surprised that you said that, but the fact that you saw them live, that's just. I was so, I, I was yeah. so glad. I was so glad it was such a cool experience. And it, it was, it was the four, you know, it was Jeremy Enoch, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Horner, it was William Goldsmith, and it was Nate Mendel. It was the mm-hmm. whole group. And, and you know, being a fan of this band is like being fans. I wish I could give a good television show that's like on again, canceled, back, it's off. Like something like that. It's This band was like breaking up, getting yep. back together, breaking up, getting back together. Reunion tour, reunions canceled. It was, I mean, honestly, like even the fact that they're in the news and there is like, they're rumored to be touring in 2022. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'll believe it when I see it because that's like how this band goes. It's like this, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think to to your point about a show, I kept thinking about community for some reason. Yeah. Community. Yeah. They're off. Then they're back, but the director's gone and now Chevy's gone. And then, and then, you know, Donald Glover's gone. And we need six seasons in a movie. We got the six seasons. We need the movie. So with Sunny Day, it feels like we just need the movie. Yeah. We just need the movie. That's the thing, right? Is that Jeremy's gone on to make really incredible solo material. And Nate, obviously like, if we're just speaking about those two specifically, I mean, his yeah. catalog of music has definitely spoken for itself. So yeah. it's like, look, every other band is reunited, right? There's like none left. Yeah. Just yeah. do it. Like yeah. every, literally every band has reunited. Yeah. 
I know. I know. And I, you know, the thing is, is, and there's a lot of drama and you don't know, I don't know the guys personally, sure, but it's, 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 you get a sense that that whole Foo Fighters involvement has really complicated the soup. It's really because even though Nate is kind of rumored to be the most, you know, amicable and easygoing of the four, there's just that conflict. And, and, you know, I like Dave Grohl. I like the Foo Fighters, but there's that interesting thing, which is he's built that band and there's rumors that it's like he gave Nate the ultimatum, like it's us or, you know, and nothing else. And then there's that whole thing. I don't know how familiar you are with the William Goldsmith a couple years ago had that big accusation about the, uh, the fifth sunny day record. That's no, hidden. no, no. Okay. Tell, tell me all about this. Okay. So a couple years ago, about 20, uh, 2018, William Goldsmith went to uh, Facebook and basically said, like, look, there's you should know that there was LP five. There was a sunny day real estate fifth record like done. And it is sitting in Dave Grohl's sock drawer and everybody. And, and so Nate, Nate oh, came man. back and was like, it caused <laughs> it caused so much tension. And then he came back and he just was basically like, look, I'm not, I wasn't actually saying Dave Grohl is like stifling this project or keeping it in a sock drawer. He's like, I was using that. I was obviously in, uh, upset, but he's like, I, I'm really referring to studio 606, the, the space that Dave Grohl runs. And he like, right. he's like, that's where the album was recorded. That's where it remains. When did they record it? 2011, I think okay. 2010, 2011. So okay. right around the time that they're reuniting and they're playing again and they're okay. And that they did this fifth record and that it's there, it's ready. And so there's just been a lot of, you know, Jeremy's on interviews and he's saying, uh, people are saying, is there a, was there a fifth record? And he's saying, uh, I don't really want to talk about it. And William Goldsmith saying there is a fifth record and we should talk about it. And Nate Mendel's like, nobody's holding records, you know? So again, it's this emotional group yeah. <laughs> it's so strange i mean like that it's got to be something like you were saying you're touching on that it's involving the band itself and then the four equal the four you know unique parts because when yes. i was working for um this label dynalone records which is like the sub pop of canada it's like city in color alexis on fire like some yeah. amazing amazing bands they had this knack while i was there to only <laughs> picked up so many side projects, bass player projects. Like it was literally yeah. like Dave catching from Eagles of death metal, like wow. Mark Lanigan's on it, like all this stuff. Yeah. Then it, yeah. Then it was Jeff Amen. So it was a uh, random second random yeah. record. Yeah. Then it was, um, there was, there was, ugh, there was like five of them, but the, and I, they'll all come to me, but the one I'm thinking of specifically was Lieutenant. So I got to work Nate's solo project, which wow. was a beautiful. Yeah, like, that's right. Paige Hamilton was involved. Toshi was involved. He records with the Melvins. Um, wow. uh, Pablo, who's in Snow Patrol, he was involved. It was like literally this cast of, of God. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy that plays drums for the for, for the Bronx. Um, why is it escaping me? Not. Not Joey Castillo. Doesn't matter. Um, I don't. Yeah, I wish I could chime in and know it because I'm no, like, I, I don't. I no, don't. no. I, it's yeah. It's useless it's, knowledge. It's but drummer knowledge. Is drummer useless knowledge. But <laughs> they were they came and support. It was a whole three week tour of the U S. And I was at his first show ever. It was at the Constellation Room in, mm -hmm. in Santa Ana. He yeah. was he'd never been a frontman before. He had really? 30 years on stage, had never gone to the front, so he was nervous. And the show was great. And then yeah. the tour ended three weeks later. It was the Troubadour. Yukon Blonde opened. He headlined. Wow. All the Foo Fighters showed up, ended up having like a great hang with the whole band. They are the nicest people. And they were yeah. so 
supportive of him. So it makes me feel like whatever it, there's tension that exists there. And then saying shit like that, like it's in the totally. sock drawer just doesn't help, man. I know. I know. And that's the, that's the thing. It's like, you read his, you read the post and you go, I have sympathy for you because you're going well. And, and, and you know, okay. It's like, Nate and William go join Foo Fighters together in 95. Right. And then after Dave, like apparently this, you know, whatever, Dave, please contact me and let me know otherwise. Um, but recorded over his drum parts for Color and the Shape um, without telling him that he was going to do that. And it, uh, apparently that was the turning point. And he was like, fuck this. I don't need this. I don't need to be in this band. And at the time, Foo Fighters were not the mega you know, stars that they are yeah. now. Right. And so, so he makes a decision to leave. And so there is probably some animosity deeply rooted between William, between Dave, whatever. I don't know, but there's definitely sunny day real estate in the nineties made this strict policy of not doing interviews and not doing press. And it made them very, very mysterious. And like, what are they, you know, they would just go, you go see the band and they weren't saying anything. And so you were just kind of like, are they, do they even like each other? You know, because <laughs> yeah. it's just weird. And you find out later. Yeah. Once they got off stage, they, they goofed around, they had a good time, but they really put this feeling about that band and it just makes me wonder how little communication has been had between them over the past decade. And that's probably all it boils down to. It's probably sure. literally like William and Dave need to have a conversation or whatever. And it's just, there's just too much history and baggage there. So I don't know. It's all speculation from this end, but you know, it's like, maybe there's part of that too. Like you were kind of alluding to, I think not to put words in your mouth where like, yeah. that, like I saw them on the color and the shape tour where I was growing up in South Florida and they played the yeah. Like my bet, my band used to play like the back patio there. So are we, were we the size of them? No, yeah, big right. already broke. I'll stick around already broke, but yeah, but they were playing a club probably that they were too big for at the time, but right. by the time that cycle was over, yeah, they were like, they were at like that, that next 10 levels higher than that. Like by the time learn, learn to fly came out, like they were one of the biggest bands in the world. They were up there Absolutely. at Pearl Jam and U2 and, you know, and, and who else, whoever else. Absolutely. So that can't feel good that you, right. you gave that up for whatever, whether he gave it up or, or yes. got removed or whatever, it, either way, yeah. it cannot feel good. So yeah. I think you probably always hold a bit of that. Yeah. Know? A little, a little bit. And so I, I, you know what, I hope that they work it out and LP five comes out. I'd love to hear it. Mm -hmm. And then this other thing. And so this is where a lot of the other kind of, I'll believe it when I see it. So this announcement of the band getting back together was William makes a Instagram account called, you know, at S D R E tour. And there's a video of on him on there playing roses in water. And everybody's like, and so you get this feeling you're like Sunday Day real estate tour. They're coming back. Guess what? It's deleted. <laughs> it's gone. And so my my brain is going okay so was there a conversation on a phone call with with jeremy or one of the other guys and they were like saying oh wouldn't it be cool to do it and it just snowballs and then all of a sudden he does this and then they're in the press and they're saying they're going to reunion and he's getting called by these guys and go, they're going dude what are you doing we we you know i don't know but you just get this feeling that there's just a, a disconnect i mean my hope is 
that no, they called him and said, Hey, we know you're excited, but let's do a little bit more of an official release. I I hope it's something like right. that, you know, yeah, because like, you know, <laughs> looking at it from a strictly financial perspective, like bands that, are, that were of that ilk, if that's what you want to call it, or from that era mm-hmm. that ended up reuniting that maybe like didn't reset the world on fire. Like a I mean, time, what is time anymore? But let's say right. it was like seven years ago. Let's just say yeah. that feels about right. I saw drives like Jehu at, at the Echoplex and I'm yeah. watching this and I'm like, well, you're the guy that owns Donut Friend. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I worked at Interscope for years and I'm like, this is like definitely the strangest record Interscope ever put out. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. this is incredible. And I heard rumor that was it not Coachella maybe, but they played some big movies. It was Riot Fest, whatever. Yeah. They were getting like $100,000 a show. So it's yeah. like Sunny Day was so much bigger than that, but yeah. definitely cut from the same sort of cloth. Yeah. But if they're going to do this the proper way and if they do need to like for the members that maybe don't have as much in their bank account, which yeah. is fair, right? Like Queens yeah. just went, like Caius was just kind of going, they're always kind of going through it, Caius yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah, milk it, get it. Get on the biggest stages you can. Explain Absolutely. to people that emo wasn't always a dirty word. And then right. even like with the resurgence of emo night and like, that what you know the dashboard and all that which i'm not showing throwing shade on i'm just saying like sure that's worlds away from bands like grade and yeah sunny day and the bands that like we knew were like no no no, that's emo it's hardcore right but the guy's emoting it's like yeah and that's what post post hardcore -hardcore. rock bands yeah right right. and 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 it's yeah absolutely and emo it's so funny because you're right emo is the it's it's one of those words that's gotten so far away that you you just mm-hmm. like you can't even say it without kind of a crack of the smile. The same way that grunge was back in the day, I and know. I think I think that finally it's worn off. It I think I think yeah. now a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure if you were to say to you know members of Pearl Jam or Soundgarden, they would probably still wince at the term. Yeah. But but we've gotten far enough away from the word now that it's lost its heat. And I think maybe that'll happen with uh, emo again someday. But it, it is funny because you're right that the, the 90s had that second wave of emo mm-hmm. that was not really part of any scene. It was no. post-hardcore. It was it was guys emoting. And that's all it was. And they were they were so foundational to that. Because if you think about it, you're like, you look at when the when diary comes out and i want to say it's 1994 mm. and this is a band getting together in 93 and 94 this is a time when nirvana is still going and pearl jam is still going and the that movement is happening and then out of no out of seattle comes these guys just you know? right right but but on but with, that's what i love about it, it was on the label it was that on was the like, label no trust us like, yeah, trust like, us. You're gonna like this too. Yeah. You're gonna like this too. So, yeah. it, it, so th- that being said, right? Because it, it's not a huge canon of music, but like out out of it, what what's the best album? What's your favorite album? Because see, that's never. It's so rare that I've done this. I ask this question yeah. every time, and yeah. it's well, I think only like twice or three times out of like thirty episodes has yeah. it ever been the same record. Yeah, I I'm gonna say. And this is a nuanced choice. Mm. My favorite song of all time by Sunday Day Real Estate is How It Feels to Be Something On, the song. The song. Yes, yes. Not the album, Damn. the song. Absolutely, that song moves me in such a way, and I've always wanted to cover it. But God damn it, I can't sing as high as Jeremy Enoch can sing. <laughs> right. I love it so much, the way it goes, the way, oh, it just it just kills me. 
Um, but I actually would say that my favorite Sunny Day album probably is LP2, the Pink album, because that one has it is it is the uh, for for lack of a better term. It's like that feeling you got when Pinkerton came out after the blue album. It's just, it's like, there's just not a lot of pretentiousness behind it. You can feel there's a, um, you can feel there's a real kind of like loosey goosey feeling. And obviously that's from a band that's breaking up, falling apart. So we got to slap this thing together, but it puts out a lot of honest kind of feelings behind it. So I, I, that's my favorite album. It was a very long answer, but no, that's a, that's a great answer. And like, yeah. you know, look that that's, the sound of a band falling apart sometimes is like the most beautiful thing. And like, you, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't want to say that because who, the, what they're going through at the time. Like I, I always yeah. hearken back to Chris Cornell's euphoria morning. That was the sound mm -hmm. of a man literally falling apart. Yeah. It was one of the most beautiful records I've ever heard in my life. And yeah, it's absolutely, and, and you know, dead or alive, love the guy like he never reached those heights again with his solo works he kind of veered off into other directions tried Agreed. to come back but that record is so special like having 11 on it having matt cameron on it, it's so yeah. good but yeah it's sometimes hearing a band kind of at the at the end of their rope you know per se yeah. like it's just it's it's fucking great yeah and 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 diary is fantastic rising tide is fantastic mm -hmm. they're just all very different from one another that's the cool mm -hmm. thing about those four you know you got a live album too you've got those four and the first one's the debut record right it's the debut it's well put together it's got in circles which is my second favorite in circles um, is amazing it's my second favorite sunny day song of all time and really has that that bellow that cry that he gives and then you get to the, the LP to the pink album, which is so different. And then how it feels is wide open spaces. There's almost not a lot of distor distortion on the whole record. It's really acoustic. It's really, it's really, um, yeah, we're just kind of, we're like a band recovering. It's almost like mm -hmm. the AA album. Oh they're God, like, right. they're <laughs> like in recovery. And so it has a lot of like hope and promise and like, we're going to get back to this. It's a rebirth. And then you get to rising tide and that is the most full production. Like that's where you go. Mm -hmm. This is a highly produced record, not in a bad way, but there were some buddies of mine back in the time that when they heard uh, rising tide at first, they were, they were like, I don't like this at all because it was too polished. Right. You know what I mean? It, it was yeah. like, once you get that really sleek sounding album, they go, Oh no sell out, you know, not sell out, but you know how it was no, at the time. Totally. It's like, you get too good on your album and I, I've lost interest. I mean, every band that we probably equally liked, other than like maybe Faith No More went through that, or Alice totally. in Chains obviously, but yeah, like yeah. every other like Soundgarden got it. And, and this is not a knock at any of these yeah, bands. These are my they just bands. eventually will do the album where they get the million dollar producer in there and they get the they get the sound and you go, oh, that's a big album, you know? Right. I mean, look at, look at the Deftones progression. Totally. You know, that's totally. like, I, that's one that I think about often where it's like, yeah. you go back to their, to like adrenaline and it just sounds like a different band. It doesn't even sound like the same band. And then you get to around the fur and you're like, mm, you're about to do something really fucking cool. And I don't know yes. what that is, Yeah. but you're yeah. like 23 years old. So we'll give it a minute. And then we'll give it a minute. comes out and it's like, oh, you're like the cure. If the cure was a metal band. Got <laughs> totally. It. This is fantastic. Totally. Oh, that's the funniest comparison I've ever heard with those Chino fellows mm -hmm. like Robert Smith, but you yes. just have these heavy riffs over it. Oh my God. I love it. Right. Cause like, he's like, no, but, we, but with like the cure with like seven string guitar, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. My brother loves the cure and loves Deftones. And now I'm going to have to tell him about that comparison mm. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna love it 
I always thought it was that Depeche yeah. Mode. All, all like I'm yeah. sure hit like Echo and the Bunnymen. I'm sure yeah, all it's of just his gloomy, emotional kind of like uh, yeah. There's just a there's a real kind of melancholy behind it all. So yeah. Um, okay, so the so usually it's like like I, I had my guest on last week. We talked about that. That'll be it. Hopefully, if I do this in the right order, will have aired before this. So I hope I'm not blowing it for him. But we yeah. talked we talked about my morning jacket, and it was very yeah. similar to like with Pearl Jam where they, yeah. you know, he had seen them 30, 40 times every night's a different set, whatever with, with this, it's so different. Like I, you know, I did an episode with a buddy of mine who um, far is very similar. We did that. We did far. Right. And that, yeah. that, it seems to be like a very similar trajectory in a lot of ways to sunny day. So yeah. only getting to see them once because of the limited scope, like explain that show to me, like, what did that do to you? I mean, it, first of all, they perform live just as well as they, you know, put out a record. It was tight. Um, his voice sounded amazing. Um, there wasn't a lot of, and I mean, I think that they're from band to band, you get, uh, sometimes I like when there's banter and there's kind of engagement with the crowd, but this was, uh, this was very minimal. Um, it was in a club called the Canopy Club in Champaign-Urbana, which is a very small venue, very small. We're talking like, maybe 200 people yeah so pretty small venue and uh well maybe 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 three or four hundred i i anyway i have no idea hard to gauge sure hard to gauge but it was a rising tide was a really cool tour to see because there's a lot of big there's a lot of large sound behind those songs but yet when there's those high kind of you know falsetto high pitched notes ringing out over this you know this guitar picking it was very uh oh this is so cliche transcendent i was really <laughs> i was really taken by it and i yeah. i i was blown away by the show loved it it only made me a bigger fan and then when i got the live album it was like i got a chance to kind of revisit that experience so really solid live album too because yeah, like every is. every band was putting out the control i mean not to, it, yeah more times than not not their fault the contractual obligation right and then totally. you're the door but that record just it, like i when we we talked about going going to having to do this episode gonna, gonna go yeah. do it i was like man i haven't listened to the catalog in a while i'm gonna go through it yeah yeah it turns out that i'd never spent a lot of time with that live record yeah because i had yeah. the other ones on cd i never had that one on cd yeah and yeah it just I don't think I realized that. I think I was on a walk, probably not paying attention. And I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, this song, right? This song's on that record. This song's yeah. like, wait, this is a fucking live record. Yeah. It just sounds yeah. so powerful. It sounds so powerful. And that's how they sounded in that in that tiny venue. And I was just, you know, so there there were those bands when they broke up, like whenever a band breaks up, you're kind of like, well, they'll they'll probably sort it out and get it back together. But it's been, it's been, you know, five, six, seven year windows where you hear of a reunion, then they get back together, then they're off again. And I think that's just like, you know, if you're a sports fan, it's like, you got your team and you're like, you know, mm -hmm. hope they get help. They get back in play, yeah, play, yeah. play, play the world series. I don't know, but it's just. It's just one of that, those things. That's probably worse because you get to see them be shit every year until they get better. Yeah. I actually, if, if that wasn't my tell that I do not follow professional sports no, at all, I don't. <laughs> I literally, I grew up in Oklahoma and being uh, somebody who grows up in that part of the country who likes bands, likes theater, likes the arts and doesn't like sports at all made me like public enemy number one in I that mean, state. So I, 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 I'm the same. I think when I tell yeah. people like, do you like sports? I'm like, I love wrestling. <laughs> and, like, and that's it like i don't like we have friends over and watch like you know aw and then like yeah, yeah. Roll, roll, all that stuff. and like i don't know 
anything. I, I gave up on this. I gave up on baseball when the strike happened in 94. I was like a diehard. And then I'm like, these guys make millions of dollars. Fuck yeah. you. And that was <laughs> the end. I never, I never went back. Like I was memorizing. Yeah. I think yeah. that's kind of led into like the thing that we were talking about earlier, just like the obsession and like the completest nature yeah. where like I needed to have every baseball card. I knew every stat. I knew every, all that shit. And it's crazy because yeah. I know I'm so bad at math and statistics and things like that. But like when it comes to bands, I'm sure like you, I can tell you who played drums on what record. Totally. Oh, that, oh, that's a sample from so-and-so or like, yeah. oh yeah, that seven inch only came out on sub pop, but they were signed to Epic. Like, why yeah. do I know this? Why? Totally. It's like, a totally. it's like, I, it's, it's heavy is the cross. It's so, <laughs> yeah, heavy it's, is the cross that we bear. Yeah. My, my, when this TikTok thing started to take off and, and, you know, obviously we would be together with the family. And my mom was like, why do you and your brother know so much about music? And I said, cause we're not sports fans. Right. I said, I said, every male that I know that follows teams can tell you all the players, all that, you know, when, who went to the Super Bowl and blah, blah, blah. But I said, when Joel and I, my brother and I didn't follow sports. And so it's kind of by default, you fill your head with a bunch of information that just seems to be the human totally. experience. You just right. got to choose what it is. Right. And I was like, we chose bands, we chose uh, albums, we chose that. And so when, yeah, you sit around and you, you go, yeah, oh, I'm listening to this track and I can hear this. Ex exactly. Dude, so. it's crazy. And like, you know, I, I, at some point you have to talk to my wife too, because she, one, she edits this podcast and, and this is all her idea to get me to like, you know, do it yeah during the pandemic and like, <laughs> talk to your friends go away yeah. but, but you know, she grew up in seattle so okay during all of this she's the same age as us oh my god so she was there she was there she was at the at kurt's the 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 whole the, you know um like people outside the grave yes, and all that she stuff was like there. she was at the morning oh my god her, she saw nirvana at the front and center like her brother like holding her to the rail like bobcat goldthwaite opening up for nirvana in 94 like their last that's one insane so i think second to last sometimes or last depending because they play two nights at the key but what what always trips me out and i'm sure with sunny day it's the same as any other band is that we'll talk about a song like so let's say it's pearl jam which is like yeah. her favorite band my favorite live band i think in a lot of ways my favorite band faith no more but again i never thought they'd get back together yeah pearl yeah. jam filled that void yeah and absolutely you know they she's like oh that was a single and i'm like that was not a single. She's like, well, in Seattle it was. And like sure. literally every song, like Tremor yeah. Christ, uh, Glorified G, all these songs, Indifference, they were singles. In and Seattle. I, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, girl, yeah, this was not, so I'm sure with like Sunny Day, Screaming Trees, like even bands like the U-Men, like things like, it was all, it was like, no, they played yeah. this on KSW, or they played this on The End or whatever. They, like, that's a city that celebrates the bands that that to this day they do too. Like whether it's yeah. hip hop or like whatever's going on, their scene is always just so creative and vibrant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. These cities that really, and this is the thing is where did you grow up? Where's your hometown? So I'm from North Hollywood originally, but I grew up okay. in Queens and then in South Florida, which is basically Queens. Okay. Yeah. So what's interesting is I was talking to somebody who was from Boston the other day and they also knew a bunch of bands that weren't really getting the radio play elsewhere because Boston, the city had radio stations that were just supporting their local artists and putting awesome. it out there. And so it seems to be that way. And because I'm not from LA, I wouldn't know, but Tulsa didn't have that. So there's no way to really be like a, Oh, we're going to support Hanson guys. You know, that's the only fucking band that, you know, 
And so, so you, there wasn't a scene that was doing that, but in Seattle, for all of us who grew up in the nineties, that was the place that was the place where everything was happening and everything was coming out of it. And ever since I started making these videos, um, like the, the one that I made about temple of the dog and oh, hunger strike, yeah. I had wow. so many people get frustrated with me with how I performed it because they were like, cause I was going like, Oh, it's Pearl jam and it's Soundgarden together. And there's so many people in the comments. No, I, I, I know what you're about to say. Come undoubtedly, on. most of them from Seattle. Yeah. And they're going, how dare you, sir? Temple of the Dog was before Vetter was in you know, Pearl Jam. And they're going, and don't forget about Andrew Wood and blah, blah, blah. And so I had to make this follow-up video. And I was like, listen, and this is the thing about making content online, right? People get mad. And I just said, you got to understand, I'm not from a major metropolis, I'm from a small town in the middle of the country. So my experience, my human experience as a listener, as a person who's taking on creative content is that I get it in this order. And right. what M and what MTV decided to do to me was they decided to show me Pearl Jam. And then after the success of Eddie Vedder being in Pearl Jam, yes. they knew they had a gem on their hands with this hunger strike song. So they push the video hard. So the rest of us in these little nowhere places are hearing this song by Temple the Dog well after we know Pearl Jam. So that, that's right. how we know it. And so I was like, it's, I don't know how to tell you this guys, but I'm just sharing my, my childhood. <laughs> it's so crazy, right? Because I yeah. ended up, it's so funny you say that because I ended up, I was a Soundgarden fan and a Mother Love Bone fan as a little kid. Like before, yeah. like, I, I just, whether my grandma- Then you were said, lucky. You were lucky I, because you got exposed somehow. Literally like just found out like through, I don't know, Amazing. Through, like circus, hip parade or rip, who cares? I found right. out somehow right. and I would, by the long boxes i had louder than love before all i mean i was a little kid going to like kmart far more this like pharmacy and like buying them and because my, my grandmother would take me and i remember when temple of the dog came out i knew that it was the guys from mother love bone and it was the guys from Soundgarden, and i got it and in my 11 year old brain i'm like this is horrible and i returned it <laughs> and then after 10 came out and i'm like I, I'd, I'd seen like the video for hunger strike again. Cause it was on ad nauseum. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, what have I done? And I went and rebought it yeah, because yeah. like, just like you, it's like, you might've had things out of order, but even for some of those that like, again, living in a coral Springs, Florida, like yeah. maybe it is the home of dashboard confessional and shy Halud and all these like, you yeah. know, like emo, it is like the home of emo in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it's like, yeah, but my experiences were like, you couldn't just find something out. You had yeah. to know somebody that knew something. I had no older siblings. My, yeah. my parents didn't know. Like you, you got a magazines, you had MTV and that's what you had. That was yeah. your, like, that's it. Yeah. So like yeah. if it wasn't written about in like the Friday showtime section in the fucking Sun Sentinel in Fort Lauderdale, you didn't know that you it was a know. thing. Yeah. And that that's, so that's the tough thing is that I, we live in an, an era where people who were born 10 years later have always known that you can search for something uh you can That's you it. can look it up they spent their entire childhood being able to get well i i, I said 10 years later but maybe more like 15 years later right. but people right. who grew up a generation later they just have gotten so used to like you can always find out the order of things you can always find out about something first and i'm like right. you know we lived in a in an analog era where things just came to you in, in however that wind blew across your town. 
And awesome. so your, your knowledge and understanding, did I, did I know and respect mother love bone the moment I found out about Andy Wood? Yes. But of I course. found out about it later. I found out a bit about it because they were on the single soundtrack. And then I found out about who the fuck was mother love bone. And then you find out about the heroin overdose and you're like, Oh, that's tragic. But it took me a little while to get there. Right. But uh, like, that's, I think I was the weird one. I don't even know how I found this shit. Out. Yeah. You were, you were the weird one. I will support that because no, I'm just kidding. But no, I just mean like to, to know to buy the long box for louder than love. I mean, if I would have met a kid like you, I would have been like, wow, man, you are, you're like, it, you know, shit before shit happens. Yeah. But I, that, but I, yeah, sorry, but I didn't like, I just bought it. And I'm like, this guy says fuck a lot in this one song. <laughs> like I didn't know. And honestly, like what, what really like I, you know, back then you bought a CD, you bought a tape and like you listened to the songs you liked. It wasn't yeah. until I had seen guns and roses, use your illusion, the live video, the VHS tapes. Yeah. I can't remember at the end of what's up at Axel, like guns and roses covered big dumb sex. And I'm yeah. like, where do I know this? I'm like, he's saying fuck a lot. And yeah, then I went yeah. back, I'm like, oh, oh it's Soundgarden. It's Soundgarden. And, and at that point, Bad Motorfinger was she, everywhere. Yeah, Ten, yeah. It, it, everything had already, never mind, it, it had already happened. So it's yeah. like, I felt like I had been there somewhat before it happened, but had no fucking idea what I was doing with the information I had. Because again, I was wow. like nine. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's just, whatever what, but, the but, order but, the order of things right yeah that's what this it is, is about it is crazy though because it made you feel like a kinship to a lot of those records and i think that's where that's what i love to, to talk about on here and what, what i take from a lot of these conversations is that you i'm not i'm not trying to be a downer right like every year there's so much good music that comes out but yeah. the records that you heard at, at that certain point in your development some get dated and then like they just don't feel the same or sound the same right right and some just get better with age they or they never change and they always take you back to this place whether yeah. you want to go there or not and like you just have a you have an an attachment to those that music in yeah. a way that you're never going to know like you're just not going to know every song title every nuance it's just it, it we live in too much of a disposable kind of society as far as social yeah. media and content go where Back then, it's like if a record came out, it was like, holy shit, this is my life for the next six months. Oh, yeah. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to open up. I'm going to read the liner notes. I'm going to listen to the song from start to finish, you know, track one to the end. Yeah. And that's just how you did things. And so, yeah, there's great artists now. But this time period in our lives where the world was just a little bit quieter and information like moved slowly. And I, I couldn't look up shit if I forgot it. Right. You just got to sit and listen to the bands you're going to listen to. So, you know, I'm curious when my, when my boys get older, I'm curious to see, I want to know once they get through their teenage years, I want to be like, was there a huge impactful moment music wise, artist wise for you from their time? Maybe it'll happen, but sure. It's really hard because the way that I watch them digest music, it's just track by track and it moves at such a fast pace. And it's usually, usually links to at least my, you know, my oldest is 13 and it links to like something from YouTube or right, um, a video right. game he's playing or some kind of cool show he watched and it had the song in it. And so it's just, we come from a time where it was all about that band. And did you hear they're dropping a new album this fall? I can't wait. I will go in line at tower. I will get it. 
I will listen to it nonstop. I'll make friends with the people in line while waiting for friends with the people in line. Yes, I will. I will camp out to see the show. And it's just it was a it's a different time. It is. And like I went to pick up an early dinner before we did this tonight. Like we we live in Long Beach and I went to go get this this cool little like poke spot. And I went over there and like on the way I had this Brant Bjork song I want to listen to on the way. And I and it and it's still bothering me that like it's track three on the record, but I started with track three because it's literally a mile (laughs) and a half down the street. So if I didn't start, I wouldn't get to it. So I was like, I got in the car and I'm like, this feels dirty. Feels this feels dirty. so wrong. Like I didn't I just sh- like. <laughs> I, I know that. I know that feeling so well. Uh, it's like I gotta start at the beginning. Yeah, just- but like, <laughs> and it's a, those first two songs are fucking great. But like, I wanted the song stacked. You wanted, wanted that song. To- I want it there. I want it there. I get it, man. Anyway, it. so look, just to wrap to wrap it up and to wrap it sure, up. Sure. I, I always ask these two questions that are like polar opposites, and um. It's always funny when there's like it's about metal or something. Like I have a guy yeah. coming on from Napalm Death in a few weeks. That should be really fucking. Oh, that'll interesting. be really <laughs> interesting. What is your Sunny Day strip club anthem, and what is your Sunny Day funeral song? Oh, oh, those are great. Okay, okay, okay. Strip <laughs> club anthem. Um, and killed the, by yeah. an a- killed by an angel. Ooh, killed that's by an a angel. Good one. Yeah, killed by an angel okay. would be the strip club anthem, it's and then I would say um, my funeral song. I'm going to go with my favorite song, "How It Feels mm-hmm. to Be Something On." I I think that, uh, um, yeah that that song. If it was to play at my funeral, people would be like, uh, "Yeah, Jacob would have loved this. Would have yeah, loved right. this playing right now, right?" Yeah, it's. So. It, I, I usually, I it's like you get the ones that are sentimental, and sometimes you get the ones where like, nah we're going to torture my family with like Xanadu by Rush or so, which I love so much. Or like, right, 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 or like, right. Or like, you know, like Dope Smoker or something that's yeah. like 53 yeah. minutes of one riff. And right, like, right. No. I couldn't do it. I couldn't no, do it. It's not no. in my nature. You can, you can see from my personality, from my <laughs> yeah. videos that I'm like, Mr. Like, yeah, da, 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 da. Right. so, so I, I don't have that. I don't have that. Like, I'm going to go out with a nice big, prank or joke or anything i would no. go you know i i think that uh i think that that's the that's the song that i think that everybody at my funeral will be like oh he always talked about this song right so. right it's like that there's you know there's a time and a place maybe you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but dude this has been awesome i like, yeah I, I love where the conversation went I, me like, too like, like this is the this is great and this is exactly we covered what, it yeah. so well because it was yeah. like i feel like we touched on sunny day real estate like the perfect amount right it yeah. was like we we went in and out of it but i i, I enjoyed the hell out of this, this absolutely awesome. well now that i you know you're here and i'm here when it's safe to do so let's grab a whiskey and let's absolutely so you know i'm out so that sucks. yeah i know i know, <laughs> I know. i'm out too i can't i can't I, I was drinking i was drinking a rum and coke tonight which I know it's kind of a that's a very spring break choice of me, but yeah. I had I had a um I had some Sailor Jerry mm. and I had some Coke and I just was like I had just finished dinner and I was like I want something harder, but I was like I just need to have it cut with that sweet. So oh, totally. I mean, that's what I went for. My my wife before the before Seattle grew up in the floor. She's from the Florida Keys, so yeah. like rum is that that's the so rum like, is... the way the way that I am about bourbon and whiskey. She is about rum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I just it. need to pick. I just need to pick up some good bourbon and whiskey. Apparently, yeah. so well, we, well, we we can talk about that too. So anyway, yeah, listen. 
Jacob, thank you so much for doing this. Um, Rob, I, so I, cool. I will tag you and uh, and and you know, please everybody, you know, listen, share, subscribe, do all the fun stuff, and then go follow Jacob and go down the rabbit hole of his videos because they're fucking amazing. Thank so, you, dude. Dude, thank you so much. And thank uh, you, Rob. I had a blast. Me too. Thanks for listening to the Grossed Out podcast. <laughs>